Did you ever play the over-under game with your friends? You know, think I could eat that slice of pizza in under 30 seconds? I know I did. If you have, then you're going to love Pick 6, the new fantasy game from DraftKings, an official partner of the NBA. Download the new DraftKings Pick 6 app now and use code DKHOOPS for a shot at huge cash prizes. That's code DKHOOPS only on DraftKings Pick 6. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 18 plus in most eligible states. Age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Pick 6 not available in all states, including, but not limited to, Connecticut and New York. For up-to-date list of states, visit dkng.co slash pick6states. Void where prohibited. See terms at pick6.draftkings.com slash promos. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. How's everybody doing? I want to welcome you into a very, very special episode of NBA Rookie Life with Ryan Hollins, man. I have on this episode a very, very huge treat, man. This is one of my favorite people on the planet. Not a cousin, not a friend, not a not just a, a former teammate of mine. Yeah, we were former teammates. Go look it up. A brother. He's an NBA champion, an all-star, all-NBA third team, NBA defensive player of the year, all-NBA defensive first team twice, all-NBA defensive second team twice, all-rookie second team, none other than my guy, Meta World Peace, Ron Artest in the building. Ron, what is going on with your brother? Yo, Ryan, what's good, man? I see you. With the Rockets now, you're right in your sweet spot, man. You're one of the best people to do it in media right now. Man, I appreciate that from you, Ronnie. Before anything, before anything, I got to give you your flowers, man. I appreciate you, man, because in my eyes, you are a megastar in the league. And I feel like what sets you apart is like you're always so complimentary of other people, of other players. Like you've never been afraid to speak your mind and be like, man, I like your game. Like, you have a great jump shot. Like, you're always comp. And a lot of start, you know, NBA players are kind of egotistical, kind of on their, you know, they have their own energy. Like, you know, why is that, Ron? Like, like I, mm-hmm. I love that about you, bro. It, it blew me away. Like, I'm like, how is Ron Artest complimenting my game? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, like, I'm so competitive. And, I mean, over the years, I've been always competing against, like, Vince or Kobe or Pierce or LeBron. And it's been so much, not animosity, but we competitors. So when I'm in the league, I'm not really trying to make friends. And when, I, when I'm off the court, it's just like I want to be able to imp- appreciate people's game. Like you had a lot of great attributes. You brought it. You had, 
You were very effective in what you were doing, and you was getting better and super active. Like you had, you did things other people couldn't do, right? And I, and I appreciate those things. You know, I'm kind of learning to appreciate the players more because I, mean, I ain't gonna lie, man. It took me a while to get out of competitive mode because even when I see the game, I just wish I could be in shape, right? So I can go out there and see if I could lock somebody up <laughs> and see if I could post them up. But um, but you know, I want to also like try to appreciate the work that people put in. And now is other people's time, you know, and and that type that type of thing. So you know, I just appreciate you know people's game. Yeah, man. I, and I, like I said, man, I just love that about you, Ron. Now let's jump in the time machine and go back, man. You you the 16th pick to the Bulls. Take me through draft day, man. What what was that like? I mean, you were a dog at Saint Yo Yo. For those <laughs> college basketball heads, you were a dog, bro. I mean, a big guard that can handle, get up and down. So talk to me, Ron. Yeah, man. You know, I was 19 when I got drafted, and it was incredible. St. John's. I, I was actually I was turning 20, right? I got drafted in June, 19. I was turning 20 in November. And I remember it just being one of the best days of my life, going to the Chicago Bulls, where Michael Jordan is from. And we all know the history of Michael. Michael, you know, was a, he's like our LeBron. He's like our Stephen Curry, you know. And from that perspective, going to the Bulls was like a dream. And I felt like, I honestly, I felt like I was good at that point. Like, I went to the Bulls. Uh, I felt like I accomplished everything I needed to accomplish. That's definitely a dream. And I wanted to go to the Knicks right before that. That would have been more of a dream. But the Ooh. Bulls... You know, was just, it, it couldn't get it couldn't get no better than going to the Bulls. You know, uh, with the exception of going to the Knicks. What, now, where was your draft at? Were you in New York or where were you? Man, I was in. Uh, oh yeah, so we were in D.C. Really? Yeah, Elton, Lamar, Baron Davis. Um, who else? There, Ronald Curry was there. Ooh. Trajan Langdon was there. Sean Marion, Rip Hamilton. A lot, a lot of guys was there. It was incredible. Who went with you on draft day, man? What were the feelings like? Were you know, were you confident that the Bulls were going to pick you? Talk to me about that experience. Like the actual day was moms with you, brothers. Yeah. I know, I know your brothers rolled. Y'all rolled deep. You and your brothers, man. Who was there with you on draft day? So yo, you guys were in DC for the draft, bro. I, I didn't even know this, Ron. So you told me today. Yeah, we was in DC. I took two buses. I went back to Queensbridge. You know, Queensbridge projects. I, I got two buses. And I brought a lot of my friends. Hold on, Ron. Uh, hold on, hold on. Yeah. The day of the draft, you got two buses that went to the projects? Yeah, we went to the projects and went to, when we went to D.C. I was, I was with about maybe like 40, 50 people from my neighborhood. Yes, yeah, go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had in the hotels and everybody was in the stands. You know, we were just doing what we do back home. Um, and we wanted to just show people like, yeah, yeah, we're from the hood, but also it was a, this is a proud moment. And, you know, we're just trying to make it in life. And we're trying to be that next generation you know, uh, of success and sports was that, you know, uh, but yeah, it, it was an incredible experience. Um, I, I, I actually spent time with Baron Davis in the hotel. Actually, me and Baron was up pretty late. I think Rico was there too. Rico Hines was there. Actually. For sure. Yeah, Rico was there too. It was a great experience. When your agent was there, what was the mindset? What was he telling you? You know, were, were you expected like, hey, man, I might be a fifth or sixth pick, you know, did you feel like you dropped a little bit? How did that go? 
And were, were you just happy to get drafted? Or like, you know, me, Ron, I had a chip on my shoulder. I'll be honest. I Every team that passed me by, including my own team to a degree, had to get it. All the players, all the all the forwards, all the centers. I was like, him, him, him. It, it, I was like, Joe Kim Noah. And look, Al Horford. And like, all them guys were on my hit list. What was your mind? Did you feel you were overshadowed in giraffe? Or was it like, you know, man, I'm happy to get drafted. Like, I'm here. Yeah, I was I was overshadowed, you know. I think because um, the, how how I played, people wasn't really used to. It. I came into the league basically locking up. My offense wasn't the greatest, but my defense was really elite at 19 years old, right? So from that perspective, the aggression and different things like that, I was projected to go top 10. I was supposed to go top 10. Wow, and that's that's what I kept hearing. But then I dropped to 16. I wanted to I wanted to at least go lottery, you know. But then again, I told my agent, please leave me around for the Knicks. Because the Knicks was number 15. Really? You know what I'm saying? So I was telling my agent, please, like, don't let nobody draft me. <laughs> the, Knicks, the Knicks passed me at 15 and then 16. The Who they take? I was just like, the Knicks took a good, 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 good fella named Frederick Weiss. He was a good guy from France. Did, was that, well, hold on, Ron. Was there a target on that man's back since they, they took, did, did you did you have him in the crosshairs after that? <laughs> nah, I, I didn't really, I, actually, he never played in the league. <laughs> Shut yeah, up. He, he never played one game with the Knicks. Hold on. So the Knicks passed on Ron Artest for a brother who never even played in the league? They ain't the only passing Ron Artest. They passed on everybody that came after me. They passed on a ton of people. They passed on Ginobili. <laughs> ooh, ooh, <laughs> they passed ooh. on Ginobili, man. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, listen, it's never personal. We're always trying to find something um, that spurs us on. Okay, so a young 20-year-old Ron Artest, man, loving the city. And hold on, let me before I go to my next question. Why do you defend like that, Ron? Where did that come from? Could you like I, 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 you're one of the rare players. I see offensive clips, and then like you have defensive highlight clips. Okay, like who taught you to defend, and like why, why defend? Because that normally comes from somewhere. Well, definitely, like people from 12th Street when I when I started playing basketball on Mob Deep Block, Prodigy and Havoc Block. Um, so that's like kind of where I really got the. The knowledge, and then if I wanted to stay on the court, I had to defend. It was mm. the only way I could stay on the court as a For kid. Sure. You wasn't going to get on the court. And if you wanted to stay on the court, you had to win. So my defense became elite at a young age. And then the men started to take me to Uptown, to, to Brooklyn to play basketball because I was only 13, 14, but I was locking up even men at that time. You know what I mean? So Yo. when I got to college, you know, that's, I pretty much locked a lot of people up in college. I, but it was kind of weird because even when I got to college, I was an architect major. I was trying to make, I was actually going to Miami or Notre Dame because I was majoring in architecture. So, wow. but the only reason I went to, and math, I was majoring architecture and math. So the only reason I went to St. John's was because it was in New York. So then in St. John's, I, you know, but I think like the way I think about the game, the things I, like Stephen Curry is a really great shooter and amazing all around player. And I feel like on defense, I have a, I have a little greatness there. In terms of how I think about the way I think with the ball is that what I want to accomplish, that's where I spent most of my time at. And even in the summertime, I would practice on my defense. I, I, I'll do like 40, 45 minutes of defense running, slides, before I even touch a ball. And this Total is every run. Day. You <laughs> practice defense for in the summer. Young, young runners, for 45 minutes, you practice defense with no ball. Oh, for sure. My, I ain't touching the ball before I get into the gym. I'm not even touching the ball until four time finish all my drills. And then once I finish my drills, then I get into that bag. <laughs> <laughs> then I get yeah. into that bag. 
Yeah, it was a, you know, I really, I really enjoyed the, I think what I enjoy most out of basketball is the hard work. Like, that's what I really love. It's like running. You know how you are, Ryan. We, For sure. We just love that running, that hustle. For sure. <laughs> Yo, that, that is gold. Okay. So you get drafted to Chicago. Talk to me about getting drafted with your teammates. Who were you there with? The first guys you met. Talk to me about that. Because people don't know as a rookie, that first time, you know, you, you go through summer league, you, you first go, you go workouts and you go summer league and you and you get there and all the vets are there. Talk to me about your first experience with the vets and what a young 20-year-old Ron Artest was doing. How did you integrate with the guys? Were you cool? Were you rough around the edges at the time? How did how did that go, man? Because I, I remember looking and I was like, where'd Derek Anderson come from in Charlotte? He just showed up at camp, man. Hold on, that's Othella Harrington showing up here, man. This is a whole different bump than I was used to. Talk to me about that and how did you acclimate and kind of fit in with the guys? Yeah, man. I, th- I think, like, when I first got in, you know, I was in the gym. I was still raw. You know, um, I only averaged 13 points in college, right? So when I got to the league, it wasn't like I had a package. But I, so I was in there. I felt stale. I didn't feel like I had it all. But I knew my defense was really good, but I feel like my offense was not dead. So Pete Myers was in the gym with me every day. Pete Myers really took my game to the next level when I got into the NBA. Randy Brown, Bill Cartwright was also an assistant coach before he took over as a head coach. So I had those guys. Then I had Dickie Simpkins, who was like, Ooh, talk to us about the game. Legend. Charles Oakley was also there with me. Uh-huh. Um, he gave me some suits one time. He said, you got you to wear some suits. I was like, nah, I don't like to wear suits. <laughs> but Charles Oakley gave me like, he gave me about 12 suits. I wish I still had them. Um, you know, different things. Shout like out that. Oak, man. Shout out to Oak, man. I love Oak. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it was a it was a really good experience, and my, my mind was always occupied. Even though when I got on the court, I was working hard, but I was always like scatterbrained. You know, I'm always thinking about other things. <laughs> Even when I, I I just couldn't sit still when I got there, so I was always trying to find something to do. Right, stay tuned, guys. We have some really cool stuff coming up from Ron. Uh, man, he had a run-in with a young LeBron James. You may not I- expect and, um, some heated rivalries with Kobe Bryant and some other moments. Man, love it. Good stuff. Guys, stay tuned. We will be right back on NBA Rookie Life. Did you ever play the over-under game with your friends? You know, think I could eat that slice of pizza in under 30 seconds? I know I did. If you have, then you're going to love Pick 6, the new fantasy game from DraftKings, an official partner of the NBA. Here's how to play during the NBA playoffs. Pick between two and six players and choose if they'll have more or less of his stat. Rebounds, points, assists, and more. Download the new DraftKings Pick 6 app now and use code DKHOOPS for a shot at huge cash prizes. That's code DKHOOPS only on DraftKings Pick 6. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 18 plus in most eligible states. Age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Pick 6 not available in all states, including, but not limited to, Connecticut and New York. For up-to-date list of states, visit dkng.co slash pick6states. Void where prohibited. See terms at pick6.draftkings.com slash promos. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes 
that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Did you feel pressure drafted to Chicago, running the wing, running the same wings that Michael Jordan ran? And I know you had a, you know, a relationship with Mike. Talk about that relationship with Mike and what was that like? And did you did you kind of feel pressure going into the city, kind of coming coming after Mike, man? Uh, I don't I don't feel pressure because I just want to be the greatest, right? I, my, my goal was to be the greatest. I wasn't. I'm not the greatest, but that was for sure my goals. For so sure. When, you do, when you when you're not doing the necessary things, it takes. I felt like I could have been a little bit better in terms of like my stats and things because I, I I was in trouble a lot. I missed games, different things like that. Um, I feel like if I stayed at Indiana. Uh, if I stayed at Indiana, that means I could have took 20 shots in, for three, four, five more seasons versus going on other people's teams. So average wouldn't have been up. And if I stayed at Chicago, then that whole resume I had is, is in Chicago. So from that perspective, I, I got to imagine they would have made trades. We would have been champions. Um, Chicago didn't want to trade me. They, uh, I, kept, I was getting in trouble. And then Jerry Krause came to me and said, actually, Bill Cartwright came to me for the last straw. I was in my room in Miami. And Bokari said, hey, man, I need you to get your act together. We want you here. We do not want to trade you, but I need you to get your act together. And I was like, okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Then the next day I do something stupid, they trade me. And then the same thing happened at Indiana. Things from Chicago that was happening in Chicago carried over to Indiana. You know, so from that perspective, like, I felt like, you know, when I got to Chicago, I wanted to win a ring. I didn't think I was going to be as good as Mike, but I wanted to try at least. Like, I wanted to try to do something special. I think it's always worth trying, right? It's always worth just trying something out. My defense was elite. My defense, Mike Mike had great defense. And I yeah. think me and Mike's defense is probably even, honestly, because Mike was a hell of a defender. But, right. you know, obviously his winning and his offense, you know, and, and, and his heart, that kind of goes to the next level. But I feel like I got something. I, I am the, the first, I'm the, I'm the leader in steals for the first two years in Chicago. So that's actually cool because Mike is super competitive. And I'm sure if Mike, 
could have had that award, he would have taken it. But he got a bunch of other things. You know, obviously he's very successful. I, and I idolize Mike. I want to be like Mike. And in order to, if you want to be like Mike, that means you want to be the, the best. Thanks. And I think like, you know, towards the end of my career, I got a jumper like Mike. I wore, when I wore number 23, that mm. was for Mike. I got, um, I was an all-star in Mike's jersey. I was defensive player of the year in Mike's jersey. Ooh. I was third team all NBA in Mike's jersey, Mike's number. And I can say at least like, 23 did not mean anything else but Michael Jordan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah anything else but Michael Jordan. Man, I, I can't, we can't gloss past that. Um, What do you remember most? Is there a game that stands out to you most about being defensive player of the year that year? Is there a yeah. game or a moment where you were like, everything just clicked? What was it like? Or was there a game where you like, yo, I, I locked it up. Like, I'm just like you, like, it's funny. You talked about Steph Curry going into a zone offensively. You said, I went into those zones on defense, you know, and I've not to your degree, but I remember, you know, affecting a game or winning a game on defense, you know, getting a block shot, blowing up another team's play, anticipating something, you know, just owning a game. Talk to me about that defensive player of the year that year. And if there's a game or a moment that stands out for you where you're like, no, I'm I'm here. I couldn't believe it, honestly. I, I was locking everybody up. I'll go home and I'll just be like, my goodness. I took this guy <laughs> out the game. I, I see people would people would not play. Multiple who who times. were guys? Who were guys that you were guarding that you were surprised? I can't mention names because that's just disrespectful. I no, did, no, no. That would all we do is Ron, we know you're respectful, but who have they got? This is just paying homage. The reason I can't mention names, the people I locked up, because like I've done it so much over the years. Like, for example, I, I've talked about how I lock people up. And then sometimes you can put two and two together, and I just don't want to open those can of worms. But I can talk, you know, if you was in the league, people know who, who was there, right? So I just don't want to mention names. I'm not trying yeah, to throw yeah. direct shots, but I was like, I mean, I, the year I got defensive player of the year, all small forwards average six points, right? So, I, you know, so if you was a small forward, <laughs> you was probably getting only six points. With the exception of if you was averaging 20 or 25, maybe you got 17 Maybe you got 15. You know, one guy that was really tough was Rip Hamilton. Rip Hamilton was really tough to yes. guard. LeBron James was really tough to guard. I got I got LeBron James probably, I would say, 20% of the times. But he's like 80%, maybe 75% of the times. He played very well. Um I wasn't I wasn't prepared. I could have got prepared for LeBron if I if I'd have known he was coming like that. <laughs> <laughs> and if I didn't know he was coming like that, I would have done things differently. But um, he was, I was not ready for that one. What specifically made LeBron tough for you and uh, clearly everybody? He's the, he's the leading scorer ever, okay? He, he's, he scored the most points ever. So for everybody, is there a move or a moment that you saw from LeBron that was like, yo, he's, this is different or like I'm used to a big guy that does this, and he did that. Is there a moment for you where, like, he got me, man? He first step, he had the strength. And I, I knew he had the strength because even when he was 15 years old, he had the strength. I played against LeBron when I was 19. He was 15 in the gym. So I knew he was coming with something. When he got to the league, he was strong, fast. He had handle. He could pass. We see we see the guy, you know, and, and that's and so he's controlling the whole game. LeBron can make a pass. And shift the whole defense. If you know, I, I'm a I'm not only a lockdown defender, I'm also a help defender. So LeBron picking you apart every which way, and you gotta constantly think. I remember um when he was coming in, I said, I got I gotta get ready for this one. And I was actually trying to stay in the east 
I didn't want to leave the East, honestly, but I kept getting in trouble. Um, but I wanted to be in the East. I would have loved to play against LeBron in the playoffs. And, you know, who knows what would have happened. Maybe we win a series. Maybe we don't. But I kind of regret that. I regret not staying in the East and staying, keeping a level head. Now, the bigger picture was, you know, playing against Wade again in the playoffs, playing against LeBron in the playoffs, you know, keeping a rivalry going with Paul Pierce in the playoffs and things like that. So you wanted – I've never heard – Ron, you say so many – like, it's crazy. You just said you wanted to play against LeBron and the play. Not too many guys that target that. Hold on. We got to rewind really quick. You said you played against LeBron when he was 15 years old. How did that happen? Where was that? Yeah, so we, I was in Chicago when I got drafted. LeBron was in the gym. Great, great, super respectful kid, man. But he was 15. 15, 15 years old. He was in the gym, 16 or 15. And I remember him just looking like he was a pro. <laughs> wow. Quite simple. He was a pro. I thought he could have been in the league at 15, 16 years old. I mean, it was nothing but pros in the gym. Nothing Who were some of the guys that were there? I was there. Barkley played a little bit. Uh, MJ played. Uh, Stackhouse played. Michael Finley played. Uh, Barkley played. One, I played against Barkley one time in the gym, man. It was fun. And it was like it was nothing but pro. Antoine Walker was in the gym. Maybe Sorry, even Tim one. Hardaway was in the gym. I think Tim Hardaway was in the gym. Um... I forget, yeah, Tim Harley was in that gym. There's a couple other people. Oh, yeah, the Elton Brand came a couple times. You know, like, he was all there. And then our Corey Benjamin would come. But LeBron played well. You had you, MJ, and all these guys, and LeBron at 15 played well? Played well. I'm telling you, man. I was like, I was, when I seen that, I was like, wow. Because I don't watch a lot of basketball. I wasn't watching a lot of high school. But I remember, like, I'm like, okay, when he get here, he's going to be, he'll be yeah, ready. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And for sure wow. he was. All right, Ron, now we, we get to do something really cool on the show. It's called NBA Rookie Life Film Room. We get in our time machine and we go back and we get to see some stuff. But we want you to put on, Ron, you do a great job coaching and giving back to the, the community. So we want you to walk us through some clips. This is for the hoop nerds, the hoop junkies, okay? We got a clip here where a young rookie, Ron Artest, is guarding his idol, Michael Jordan, man. So as you guard Michael Jordan in this moment, Ron, Ron, this is all respect to the GOAT. There's no question here. There's all the respect to him and LeBron. There's no shade being thrown, Ron. We know the respect you have for the game. But talk us through this moment where, I mean, you are guarding the life, a young Ron guarding the life out of Michael Jordan. And you're wearing the Bulls jersey, so this has a certain feel for me. Walk me through this game, Ron, and what were you thinking going in? And, man, what, what did it feel like to kind of play good against Michael honorably, like, in, in, in his house? A double foul on our test and Jordan. Well, Jordan uh, not backing down, and you know they're banging and popping each other pretty good, and that was a pretty good court chop that uh, Jordan laid on him. But our test is really stronger than Jordan. Respectfully, he was 38-40, but you know you saw I picked him up there. I just wanted to re respect him with competition because you know my I played against Mike before this. And Mike asked me to come back to the gym because I was competing so hard. And he was like, yo, come. I was like, sorry, yo, hey, sorry, Mike, sorry, Mike. And he was like, nah, nah. He said, come back, come back, come back. And, I, and then so from that perspective, when I played against Mike in the league, I know what Mike liked. Mike liked competition. Mike is not back. Even though he was older, he really enjoyed, like, going at him because that's how he was going at me. And then if you see us a couple times in the post, I was only 19, I only 19, 20 or something like that. And we was competing like it was playoff basketball because we we carried that summer basketball over to the league 
you know, but I'm sure Mike would have gave me 50 a couple. Look how he's running. He's a little slow right there. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, is, Mike was into his career, man. But I'm sure... I'm sure he would have blew a by me a couple times. Yeah, yeah. You know, in, in his prime, I, I really respect Mike's game, especially after I played against him at 40 years old. And he he actually had one game in Indiana where he gave us 40, and then he had a game in Washington Ooh. where he gave us about maybe 25. Ooh. And I was like, wow, at 40, at 38, I said, okay, he probably would have gave me 50. Nobody ever gave me 50 in the league, and I think only 40 twice. You know, maybe 40 twice. Uh, I think LeBron might might have had 40, maybe. But Kobe might have had 40 one time. What were you thinking about guarding Mike? What was it, where were his tendencies? You talked about competing and playing hard against him. What were Michael's tendencies that you tried to pick up on or how, at least in this game, you had success? It seems like he, he remembered you and came at you later on. But in this game, what was your mindset? What was your strategy? Well, this game, I was still raw defensively. Keep in mind, I, I didn't add the technique that I had, but Tim Floyd gave me more technique. So, hey, I was just trying to beat him to the spot. Um, You, you see, I'm missing layups. I wasn't, I was very, like, not that great. <laughs> but I was just trying to beat him to the spot, compete. And the main thing was heart. I wasn't really, I didn't have much technique. It was more like, okay, man to man, you know, we in the Lions den, and I'm going to do my best to lock you up. I love what you said, and I think that goes – this is the second I heard. We, we just talked to Vernon Maxwell, and I thought it's the craziest thing that the people that elbow Mike and hit him and got into him, like, he will come to you and say, like, hey, man, like, uh, do that again. So you said Michael Jordan actually – you got kicked out of the run for playing too hard, if I'm not mistaken. And then Michael says, nah, bring Ron back. Make sure Ron comes – and you're the, you're the guy – and for people who don't know, when NBA players – play summer basketball. They like to coast, just get a workout moves. But Michael liked to compete. And what, what were those things he would say to you, Ron? Well, Mike wasn't talking to me. Because Mike, I think Mike was surprised when I, because when Mike, in the summertime, he was much better than he was, than you're seeing right now. Keep that in mind. Much better than what he was. That was two years before this. But um, I think, like, he was talking trash to the other guys, but he wasn't talking trash to me. He was still going to work in the summertime. He still scored. But I think he was like, I was a 19-year-old lion. So I think, mm. I, think he was, I think he really respected it. And he said something in the newspaper. When, I, when it came out, his work, I, I told my family, I told my dad. I'm like, yo, look at what Mike said in the news article. You can look it up, too. He said, yo, Ron Artest is one of my favorite players. I'm like, what? Because <laughs> I confess, I said, well, Mike said this. It's, on a Chicago, it's in a Chicago Tribune. And the reason I, I don't have it now, because anytime I go online, I can search for it. But every year, it's getting deeper and deeper and deeper in the SEO. <laughs> but, it, but it's in there. It's in there. How, how did you feel when you saw that article? It was crazy, yo. It was crazy because he's my favorite player. I got his shoes on right now. Look <laughs> at <laughs> <laughs> the shoes. <laughs> you kidding me? And I'm like, yo, this is the one time in a lifetime opportunity that I get a chance to compete against somebody that I saw on television and go at him and bring that, uh, you know, that Queensbridge. You know, Mike, Mike's from Brooklyn, but he's in North Carolina. And he's tough. We know Mike is tough. Mm. And uh, I was able to bring, you know, from you know, all, all my people from Queensbridge Projects, you know, I was able to bring that, you know, to Mike. And, 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 I, and, I, and I tried my best. I tried my best to compete, you know, as hard as I can. But I could go on and on about Mike. You know, and, and, and look, hard. Ron, you done found out. You done played so hard. You found out young, young Ron with the baldy, man. <laughs> 14, 14, half 14 points. It's not bad. <laughs> that is great for a rookie. I can I can only imagine. 
uh, this kid. That's that's really cool stuff about the GOAT, man. Shout out to Michael Jordan. I think finding out more that he's one of those stars. Because, you know, you can't, you can't go in the gym now and compete with these guys. They don't like the bump. Mike liked the bump, okay? So I, I, you got to love that. Man, Mike liked the bump. I was in, I was in the gym. Me, I don't think anybody was – nobody was guarding Mike Howard's garden. Let's start right there. <laughs> in the gym. I, but I wanted to get Mike ready because I knew, um, you know, before Mike had to take a little break on the summertime, he, I thought he was going to come back in Harris 35. I, I did the math. I'm like, he's in the gym. I couldn't even stop. Keep in mind, I couldn't stop him all the time. I did hold, I did hold, I held him scrollers for a day. If he, you know, he could always, we could always chat in person about that. But, <laughs> but, but th- that one day I had a great day against Mike. But other than that, Mike was playing well. Mike was not losing games. He was hitting the shots, scoring on me also, by the way. You know, he was just incredible. Well, let, let's go down and I need you to break down some more film, Ron. We, let's, let's stay. I need, I need Coach Ron. I need Coach <laughs> Meta. We'll go. We're looking for Coach Meta yeah. with, the, with the panda shirt on and the panda shoes, okay? <laughs> That's what I'm looking for. Oh, you compete against Michael, but you got to play with the next closest thing in being the amazing being Bryant. God bless his family. God bless Kobe. Um, I got chills right there, man. We talk about Bean. It's a, it's a whole different frequency when you talk about Bean, man. God bless him. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Break down some some clips here. Let's let's take a dive into Kobe Bryant, man. I know this is always a cool one, Ron. You won championships with Kobe. That's like your brother. That's like family. That's a whole different. You got a whole different Kobe uh, energy there. And let's get back into the uh, NBA Rookie Life film room and break down some stuff. Artest, close to a turnover. And he does turn it over. Kobe got a piece of it and a loose ball followed Artest. He's got his four. He's with the shot clock by Artest. He scraped it away. Kobe stays with the play. He'll head to the line looking for the three-point chance. <laughs> Kobe a good look at three. Got it! Burns Artest and matches the largest lead of the game for the Lakers. Putting them up 85-80. Well, dialogue must not be that bad all of a sudden now. Artest, though, has a real serious look on his face. But, good. Keep smiling, please. You're one of the fiercest guys that we ever seen go at Kobe. So when you were here on the Rockets, you're playing against Kobe in the playoffs. You got the you got the, the Rockets are, man. Shout out to the city. Tatted in the head. Tell me why that was. And then talk to me about this play. And what do you, you are letting, you're getting, at this point, you're getting nose and nose with Bean right here, man. And you're going at him. You know, this, you got some offense now in your game, man. You are the guy here in Houston. So talk me, talk me through through this play, man. And the Rockets are in the head, man. Come on, so let, break break this one down for me against Bean. And what I mean, this was he was on another planet when when at this point in his career. So talk to me here, Ron. Look, Bean was incredible. So this is the thing about Bean: if you don't bring your A game on defense for me, then you are gonna get eaten up. You already know. So. I've never had a game where I was relaxing against Bean. I might have had a couple of nights where I went out where I was like, I should not have went out tonight. But <laughs> but that was just Bean. Bean is so competitive and he's not really intimidated, you know, and, and, and he's quicker. He can score. His game is tight. So it wasn't much I could do. Like, he, once he get up, it's over. You ain't, you ain't blocking that. You, he ain't missing much. You said he wasn't easily intimidated. No. Are some players intimidated? Why is that a fact? I, I know as a defender, but explain to somebody who might not know. Well, some players, you just you can't do nothing, right? If I'm guarding you and you're not Kobe or whatever, you're not talented like that, what you going to do? <laughs> so it's not even like intimidation. You just can't go to it. My feet too quick. I'm too strong and my hands is too quick. You know, there's not much you could do with that. But Kobe can do it with anything. Look at the handle, moving the ball out the way, rebound. He's a smart player. 
<laughs> Miss Kobe, man. It was it was great competing against him. Um, he he pushed me a lot, and and actually, you know, I remember the year in Indiana where we lost to Detroit. The year when Detroit won, all, only thing we was thinking about was the Lakers. I mean, wow. actually, we wasn't even thinking about the Lakers. We were thinking about the championship. If you if you listen to Steve Jackson, listen to me and Jermaine, we ain't never mentioned nobody's name. We said we gonna win that year, and we gonna uh, we felt like we should have won, and we never was worried about respectfully, respectfully, but we wasn't worried about any team. We never mentioned. Um, you know, uh, shout out to the big bro Shaq. We never mentioned Shaq. We wasn't really worried about Shaq, even though obviously Shaq, Shaq. But at that time, we wanted to win a championship, and we said we just gonna run through everybody. You know, so when I came back before that year, if I was playing against the Lakers, my um, my prime year, you would have saw like it would have been a little bit different, yeah. <laughs> right? I guess at that time. But this was I was really good offensively. I ever I think I was twenty five in this series. We took them to Game Seven. I was playing really well in the series. Now you and you and Bean mixed it up. What? How? Listen, man. How did y'all get into it? I, obviously, we know it's all within the realm of basketball. You're getting physical with him. Referee hops in, man. What was this here? Was this just, hey, man? This is playground, Ron. This is just, hey, I got to try to get in his head. I got to beat him to the spot. What's what, what's going on here? Exactly, beat him to. Because the, the thing is, as you, you if you if Bean gets the ball in the post, same thing like Mike. This is the same thing you see here is what you saw what me and Mike was doing in the gym when I was 19. If you let them get to the spot, they're gonna score. So I, I cannot move, sir. <laughs> right? It's like you yeah, have to go, yeah. you have to go around me, and I and I'm not gonna even let you get around me. You're gonna have to work everything. Every single time you gotta work. And I I respect being that much, you know. Um, and, and he wasn't as big as me, even though he was just as physical, wasn't as big. Mm. You know, we a guy like LeBron, you know, he's uh Physical, right? <laughs> um, and kind of mean, but he's kind of he's not as mean as like a Kobe, but he, he can get mean when he wants. So I was just trying to utilize my advantages against Kobe because that's all all I had was my advantages. I couldn't even square him up because too many options. So I had to actually give him a lane and try to recover or force him in to like yow or somebody. But you see, he beat me on the first dribble or the second dribble. You know, so he was he was a, he was a uh, in attack mode. So, yeah, at this point, Kobe was so quick. You were just like, listen, I had to get physical with him. And it sounds like why it seemed like you're sending Kobe left. Why is that? You 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 were sending him into traffic or having to play the team defense here. I sent I sent people left so I could take the ball. I got Kobe a couple of times with that, but I normally would send people left because I had a better chance of taking the ball when, when somebody was to go left. Why is that? I just my left hand was so quick and I would tip it, deflect it. You know, for some reason, I can get, I can wrap around your back, take the ball from your back. You know, you think you, you think you're still dribbling the ball, and I got it. <laughs> you're like, what? For so sure. that's why we just always send people left. Man, that, that right was not, wasn't my strong point. So you felt like pretty much to chase Kobe around, you couldn't move the way you wanted. You're, I mean, you were a bucket man. You were getting buckets here. You were scoring. You were competing, but you just felt like at this point you couldn't move at two sixty the way you want, or like to play against Kobe per se. Cause this, now I, now I couldn't, I, I couldn't, I, I couldn't, I couldn't really move at, at two forty. I mean, I was, I was never two forty. <laughs> at two fifty, <laughs> two fifty five. I actually two fifty five is even pushing it. Two two fifty five. I could probably, I would probably have done better. But I, here I was about two sixty, maybe two sixty eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two sixty five. <laughs> yeah, small forward. <laughs> 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 yeah, when I got to the Lakers, I, I, I lost some weight. I got down to 250 actually, and I, when I went out at my in the playoffs, I got down to 250. 
I was actually, I came into the Lakers that next year after this, I was like two, 260. Well, Ron, speaking of that next year, let's, let, let's get to it, man. You won. You compete against Kobe. And it's similar to Michael. He falls in love with the guy who's hitting him and bumping him and elbowing him. Did Kobe give you that call in free agency? Because we're going to look at a play here. I want to hear, did Kobe reach out to you and say, like, and this is, like, kind of crazy to me, like, hey, Ron, I, I know we just almost fought, but come play with me, man. <laughs> How did that happen? Well, the call came from uh, Mitch Kupchak. Actually, David mm-hmm. Bauman. My, the first call was David Bauman, my agent. He said, hey, the Lakers are looking at you. He said, the Lakers want to speak to you. I said, for what? That's exactly what I told him on the line. I'm like, for what, yeah? You know what I mean? I said, they just beat us. Well, I'm going to go somewhere where they beat us. And then respectfully, um, I almost went to, to the Cavs, respectfully, but um, really? I was a little bit I was a little bit hurt because LeBron, LeBron, rookie, his first game against me, he gave me 25, right? That's a lot of points against me, right? Ooh. And he gives me 25, and he goes to the Indiana first row. There was a lady sitting about four rows in, maybe, I mean, five, four seats in. And he was like, is this your best defender? His back was turning me, looking on the baseline. And I saw that, so I wanted to fight, like, right away, right? <laughs> in my mind, I'm like, yeah, we got to, I'm like, we got to throw hands now. So, but in my mind, I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I'm like, wow, this kid, this kid is really good. I, I thought about it for a second. I was like, yeah. oh, man, I'm like, yo, this kid, this young 17-year-old yeah, kid just said, is this your best defender, Right? Even though I got him a couple times after that, he got me more, but I got him some a couple times. Not many people can say that. Yeah. Um, and then when I was supposed to go to the Cavs, I, 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 it was still in my mind. <laughs> it was still in my mind. <laughs> it was still in my mind, man. I said, like, no, I can't, I'm not, I, can't, I can't play with LeBron. Now, now, did LeBron reach out to you or was that just the general manager? LeBron is a, LeBron's an incredible human being, man. LeBron's one of the greatest humans that we've seen in this league have. LeBron is also a great teammate. He's also very intelligent. The objective for LeBron is to be the greatest. And he's not only doing it on the court, he's doing it off the court. He's reaching out. He's doing what he got to do. And also, he's a genuine friend. From what I see, he reminds me of Jamal O'Neal and Al Harrington, just a genuine guy. Shout out, J.O. You know what I mean? So from that perspective, Shout out Big Al. you know, um, he's LeBron's trying to do whatever it takes to win. And people hate on him for that. But you got to respect it. Like, so, you know, from that perspective, um, I didn't go there. I wanted to go back to Indiana. And then when, when Indiana didn't take me, I didn't want to come to the Lakers. I was trying to go back wow. to Indiana. And then that, everybody said so much happened. I said, listen, I'm in my prime. I'm still locking up. Look what I just did against the Lakers. I'm nice. <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm, I'm nice, man. And they was like, nah. And so then I tried to go to Detroit. Right? So my David Bauman, he called, he called up uh, Joe Dumas. And I said, I want to go into the Lions then. You tried to go to Detroit? Asked, they should have picked me. It, it was you hard, Ron. Was, you're wild. <laughs> yeah, you know I like you know you know I like that action. I like I like After the line. The whole love, thing happened between you and Detroit. You tried yeah. to go and play for the Pistons. Yeah, man. You know I love the Lions. I love it. <laughs> I mean, I'm always in the Lions. I've been in the Lions the whole time. But I wanted to go back because I thought like I'm gonna try to go to Indiana. If not, then I'm gonna try to go to Detroit. When Detroit said no, I told my agent I want to go to Greece because there was nobody else I wanted to play with. Honestly, now I want I want I want to compete. That's it. You know and. And then, um, then the Lakers called. Then the Lakers called called us. And David Bauman said, "Hey, the Lakers is on." I was like, "For what?" He was like, "They want to sign you." Then Mitch Kupchak Kup- Kup- got on the line, spoke to Mitch. Next morning, had breakfast with Doctor Bus. I briefly spoke to Magic, and that was it. Kobe is not. I say that because Kobe did not call me. Kobe is not calling to pick you, right? Unless you're like pal. 
Kobe spoke to me after I said yes. Because Kobe, he's playing chess. That's my guy. He like, you know, me and Kobe like a mirror image in terms of competition and heart. And uh, he ain't going to call me to pick me on his team. <laughs> <laughs> you, came, you came to his team. I came to his team. Yeah, yeah. I came to his team. But it was a, you know, it was just, I mean, I'm just happy. I have, I have a lot of different experiences in other players. And I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for him. Did he finally call you on the phone after you signed? What was that first conversation that you guys had? <laughs> Kobe called me. I love Kobe because he, he called me briefly. Yo, we're going to go to work. Hey, don't be getting in trouble. Keep it serious. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. And that was it. I didn't see Kobe until training camp, which was how I would like it and how he likes it, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. We just came to practice. It wasn't, it wasn't no lunch. It wasn't no, hey, how you doing? What you doing after this? It was like, nah, I'm coming to practice tomorrow. I'm getting ready for this game. And I'm going to see you later. You wow. know what I'm saying? I really respect him for that. So your relationship with him grew as you guys competed and played together and practiced. Our relationship only strictly grew from the basketball court competing. There ain't nothing else. We, we had nothing else in common but competition. Stay tuned, man. We have some cool stuff. And even bigger than basketball, we'll hear one of the greatest moments in Ron's career. But Ron responded in an interesting way and pointed towards an issue that we all need to take a little more look at. Stay tuned. We'll get to it. Really cool stuff, man. Life-changing stuff here from Ron Artest. Did you ever play the over-under game with your friends? You know, think I could eat that slice of pizza in under 30 seconds? I know I did. If you have, then you're going to love Pick 6, the new fantasy game from DraftKings an official partner of the NBA. Here's how to play during the NBA playoffs. Pick between two and six players and choose if they'll have more or less of his stat. Rebounds, points, assists, and more. Download the new DraftKings Pick 6 app now and use code DKHOOPS for a shot at huge cash prizes. That's code DKHOOPS only on DraftKings Pick 6. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER, 18-PLUS in most eligible states. Age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Pick 6 not available in all states, including, but not limited to, Connecticut and New York. For up-to-date list of states, visit dkng.co slash pick6states. Void where prohibited. See terms at pick6.draftkings.com slash promos. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans. The chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. And recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry. Back to Iguodala. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, I need you to break down this play where your relationship with Kobe really grew. It's one of the biggest shots in in Laker history that you end up knocking down. I, I Meta, take me into the film room. What is going on here on this play right here with with the, with everything on the line, Rod? About a minute remaining. Ryan looking. Our test. That's a three. Bang! Lakers by six with a minute to play. It was really simple, you know, just like just do whatever you've been practicing. As you can see here, there's a little bit of space kind of getting his vision. Take, he, he comes at me, move out the way. It's just simple basketball. It wasn't really nothing spectacular. It was, you know, he, he went left. I, I, I kind of took up some space. He came back right. I kind of created some space. A little jab kind of got Paul just a nudge back a little bit. And then once I saw Paul foot go back, usually the shot, you're, you're open. Once somebody's going backwards, can't go forward and backward at the same time. So you can see he almost blocked the shot, but it, was, it would have been really difficult for him to block the shot. You talked about this shot. Did you practice this? You you jab, pull up, let a three fly, and you don't know what Kobe's going to because he could shoot over the double team. He's that good. And we've seen moments you have dove in and gotten rebounds, but you're like, did you just feel like, you know what, if he comes, I'm ready. Well, what, what was that thought there? Because he trusts you with the – you know Kobe don't trust – Kobe feel like – his shot over a double team is better than some other people's shot. So what 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 else was there that we didn't see? And he's celebrating for you. He knew he trusted you. Well, you know, uh, prior prior to my my you know my 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 history of the league, I was on the verge of being a Hall of Famer. And even the year before this, I was averaging twenty five in the playoffs against them. You know, lad, I had shots against them. The Lakers before this that I was you know clutch shots. So from that perspective. I didn't, I didn't have an opportunity to be like a third string on this team. It was Kobe Powell and everybody else, right? So from that perspective, I just had to stay ready, stay in rhythm. And you don't have a lot of room to think about, oh, I don't know if I should do this. You've been practicing long enough, right? This is, you know, I've been playing ball for a long time. So just stay in rhythm. Same thing you do in the park. Head fake, jab, shot. You know, it's not, it's not spectacular, but it put us up six. No, this, this this was a huge shot and, and and obviously amazing look and and really never forgotten. And Ron, I think the history that comes isn't just in the shot. The shot is a huge part of it, but it's what you talked about afterwards, what you like, went yeah, in yeah, on. Look, look at my face. You see, I'm just, I'm just calm and relaxed after that shot. You see that shot? I ain't even smile. I ain't chair. I'm just like, you know what? 
We going to the club after this. You already know. <laughs> Ron, on a night where Kobe Bryant, his best attribute for most of the night was rebounding. What kind of satisfaction do you and Cal take that you were able to support him tonight? Well, first of all, I want to thank everybody in my hood. Thank the Worldwide Warriors, Rockfell, my, my wife, Kim Shen, my family, my kids, everybody. I definitely want to thank my doctor, Dr. Sandy, my, um, my psychiatrist. She really helped me relax a lot. Thank you so much. It's so difficult to play. All this There's so much commotion going on in the playoffs. And she helped me relax. I thank you so much. Ron, you were able I'm to hit? down that three. Yes, just that like was you told a me. huge shot, your late thank three. You. Yes, no question. Oh. Ron, again. And my single coming out now, talk to me. <laughs> I got a single, it's called Champion. I did a song called Champion last June. I'm going to let him go, guys. And the single is coming out. I'm sorry. Thank you so much. Yeah, man, it was, it was it was a moment where I just said, you know, I'm gonna keep it real. I was, this is what I wanted my whole life as a champ. I wanted an MVP. I did want an MVP in the finals, and I did want an MVP for the league. I almost got the MVP in the league. People will hate, but when you go back to 2004, I finished number six in 2000. I finished number six in MVP voting, but and I was at 23 years old. But I say that because when I got into the brawl, I thought that the basketball guys would never ever like you know let me get back there again. So I kind of I kind of accepted the fact that, you know, I'm not going to get to the finals. I, I, after the bro, I said, I'm never getting there again. I said, you can't do, you know, bad things and then expect to get there. So I was trying to work on myself. And then, you know, from from therapy in Sacramento to Houston to Indiana, everything, everything came down to this moment. I'm saying, oh, wow, I'm not MVP, but I'm a champion. And I had a big I had I was probably MVP at game seven, <laughs> but I had a big game. So I wanted to just, you know, be real vulnerable at this point in time. And honestly, I called my therapist. Um, She's from Houston, my sports therapist. And I called her the night before. I said, I need you here. I had so much anxiety. Because you got to keep in mind, people on my career, you got to keep in mind. And my, my first playoffs were Indiana. I got suspended in the playoffs. He played against Boston. I got suspended one game. In Detroit, they went to the final. I got suspended in game six. Me, I, I elbow Richard, Richard Hamilton. My guy, Richard Hamilton. Then in, in, uh, in Sacramento, I got suspended game two, right, against, against the Spurs. We took them to game six. That was a close series. Um, Houston, I got suspended in uh, game five. See what I'm saying? Every time I'm in the playoffs, you know, when, 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 when it counts the most, um, I, I, I had no concept of, uh, what do you call it, uh, uh, you know, what, what do they call it, like, keep things in perspective, thinking a big picture. Bigger man, keep be aware. I had no awareness of my legacy that's on the line. So now I call my therapist and I say, "Yo, I need you here because I'm like I feel like I'm gonna get suspended. I feel I got too much anxiety." So she flew in, we went to shoot around, and then she, I met with her after shoot around for like maybe like 45 minutes. And you know, so I was breathing, you know, breathing through everything. And that's why I, even when I made that shot, I wasn't even excited because she's. What we what we worked on was finishing the game until zero zero and make sure zero zero on the clock and just breathe breathe your way through it breathe your way through it breathe your way through it. So from that perspective, I just wanted to give a shout out to my therapist uh, because you know I, I feel like you know I don't know if I am that relaxed without talking to her. Honestly, Ron, you you're honestly in this moment a pioneer because now the awareness of mental health and kind of figuring yourself out, you know, back in the day, we used to be like, man, there's something wrong with you. You are who you are. It is what it is. Or we didn't, 
you know, even as men, honestly, you didn't talk about it, but I love that you on the biggest stage on the biggest moment had the humility to not be bigger than the things that you had gone through and step forward and said, man, thank you. Like I'm, I need help. <laughs> like, like you are the biggest, you are the biggest, strongest guy probably on the court right here. And you said, I need a help. You know what I'm saying? In this game, I probably was the strongest guy. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Right, hey, right. Baby, big baby was in this game too. He's pretty strong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you're you're saying I need a help, and I think from a mental perspective, that's big. And a lot of athletes yeah. now are starting to reach out and, and and do that. What what type of feedback did you get from this after this moment? After saying this, it was crazy, because you know I was always doing philanthropy. I wasn't doing business. At this point, I was doing more philanthropy. I was always wanted to give back. And actually, in 2007, I was going to work on a, um, a YouTube series. And I was in Sacramento, and I was trying to work on a mental health piece on YouTube. But at that time, you know, people just don't listen. They, they see the defender, the elbow. Like right now, I manage four, three. I got four CTOs, six data scientists. I got, I got um, you know, I manage three dev shops. I read 130-page contracts, all that stuff, right? I manage AWS, GitHub, like all types of technology. Went back to school for co- all that stuff, but people don't realize that. So when I when I was trying to do social impact, I wasn't trying to apply that part of my mind to business. I was trying to apply that part of my mind to social impact. So I felt like I wasn't really getting a lot of help, you know, on programming. I want I don't want to go and put out a reality show with my family, getting dry. I don't want to do none of that. I want to talk about entrepreneurship, mental health, social impact. And you know, from that perspective, I said, okay, I'm I'm here. Let me be most vulnerable in this moment. And it was, I got 40 million people watching, therapists that I never met called me. And to this day, it's nonstop the requests I get to do mental health stuff, speaks. And I, I'm in Bermuda right now. I'm going to speak on a mental health panel after this. It's nonstop. You're talking about 12 years ago. I don't even know how long ago. Um, it is two sides around our test. It's that social impact side and it's that aggressive side. But I want to bring the light, you know, that social impact side. Ron, before we get you out of here, man, we you, your legacy and your impact that I've seen you give back to the kids. I've seen you give back to the streets. I I seen you give back to the community, brother. That's why that's why you know we rock together. We give back to those kids, man. I I love you for it, bro. You never you've never been too big for anything. But I want you to give back to someone stepping in your footsteps, another Indiana rookie who had himself a heck of a year. And we need, let's bring Coach Ron. We've seen activists Ron. We need to bring Coach Ron back before we get out of here. Break down this play from Benedict Matherin, man. Because it was near the end of the shot clock and he didn't take it. Ball loose, Matherin. You're not getting there in time, I can tell you that. Oh my! Yeah. Oh my! You're not getting there in time. This is just electric here. You are great. You wore the jersey, man. This young kid is following in your footsteps in Indiana. What's going on on this play? Talk to me, Ron. Yeah, he's going to surpass my footsteps. You can see everybody's in that old school Indiana defense. They're playing against the Knicks. But you can see here the anticipation, a high screen and roll, you know, a little stunt defense to offense immediately, two dribbles, you know, and way more athletic than I was. But you can see you got a kid that is defensive-minded. And offensive minded. Ron, how, how about this? Like, you said athletic. How many guys do you know? And he doesn't know that he's necessarily in the clear. I'll go hit this windmill in game. I don't know if I've seen this too much, Ron. That was incredible. I, I would not have done that. That's a fast break. I mean, you're talking about excitement on defense and excitement on offense. You know, and, and that's, I mean, you have to do that on the fast break. If you can do it, do it. <laughs> for sure, for sure, for sure. 
Oh, look at that nice defense. Um, one, two, three. Um, from the Dodgers. Ah. <laughs> what do you what do you see from Benedict Matherin moving forward, man? Where do you think that 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 he could be? Because you played the small forward position. You talked about playing on both ends of the floor. What where, where could his ceiling be in Indiana? I think he got a chance to bring these guys back to where they belong because he's young. He can play both sides. He's scoring on anybody. His body's ready. So we, I think he's going to only get bigger. You see people like Giannis come in and then body just explodes. If this guy continues to work on his body and his game, Indiana going to be in good hands. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And and like I said, man, there's not too many people hitting windmills, but mm. he's got a big flair, man. He plays with a big attitude. You know, Indiana as that city, how did they how did they embrace the, you know, the energy? Is this kind of like more like you said, a kind of throwback? Could this guy have played, Benedict played on your Indiana teams? Yeah, as a rookie, we yeah, he was a rookie, we would have put him in the game. <laughs> I would have bet you know maybe seven, eight man. You know, but, but he would have for sure helped us out because he can play. I would love being on the wing with him. A- a- absolutely, Ron. Man, you you gave so many gems today. Um, like we said, it's the NBA Rookie Live podcast. And before we get out of here, um, if you could talk to and you putting in the work, brother. So if you could talk to a young 19, 20 year old Ron Artest, um, and or you could give advice to your younger self or some of these younger guys in the league right now that that need that uh, Ron Artest, it's Metal World Peace tutelage. Um, what would you say to them, man? What, what would you give back to them? What would your message be? Talking to sit down, sit young Ron Artest down and like, you know, pull him. Come here, young man. Let me let me talk to you, man. What would that message be? I would say, you know, there's a lot of athletes out there that don't get the opportunity to set up generational wealth plans, you know. And I know we have a lot of our financial advisors and everything. A lot of athletes are doing well, but I would say set up a generational wealth plan. You know, because basketball is easy. No matter what you do, no matter how you think, if you work hard and you work on your craft, you're going to get better. So I say that part is going to be okay. Really trust the fact that working on the game is going to be straight. But the other piece, empower your mom, empower your dad. You know, make sure you keep them around you when you're talking to your financial advisors. Because what happens is if you are just working with, you know, some other people you don't know, that's really talented and smart people, then they get all the knowledge. They get all the resources. You got to get some of that back to your family, right? So when you retire, your auntie or your, or your, or your brother or your sister could have learned something. Empower your family. Do, I love what LeBron did with his friends. But, you know, friends, family, we don't call them hang on is in the hood. We don't call them. We call them our family. We don't call them baggage. We call them our family. And, you know, keep empowering. I'm not saying give, give, give. But what I am saying is empower your people. Man, blessings, Ron. And uh, Ron, before we get you out of here, man, the one thing we do, you you took a moment, brother. For those who don't know, Ron, the first thing, as soon as I hit him, he said, he said, how fast can I get on, man? God bless you, bro. But w- w- what you've done for me in my career and just the, the impact you had on my life and the, the, the humility that you show me, I can't I can't thank you uh, uh, enough of that. And I love the way that you give back to the kids. We, it's all our, our, our big community, man, that you help with. But Ron... Where can we support you? You have many initiatives, so take your time with them. Where can we support the things that you have going and get behind and follow and fund and donate? Where can we help you out, man? Give us the long... I know you got a list, Ron, so how can we support you? Because we thank you for rocking with us here today, man. No, thank you, man. I really appreciate it, man. I got our test management group. Uh, it's a data-driven social impact accelerator that I've been working on for quite some time. We have di- like many different verticals. You- you'll hear about it soon. The social impact is the big initiative. So we will be doing, uh, we are working on our first ed tech product, which I really want y'all to support at some point in time. For sure. Um, 
we're actually about to sign. I got the sports agency also, so we're actually about to sign Big Baby. I'm really happy about that. What's the name? Um, What's the name, Ron? Oh, the sports agency is Yes Sports. That's um, the, the entity is kind of created. Uh, we have four agents on our platform right now. Uh, I'm doing a lot of great things in tech, you know, a lot of, you know, uh, investing and a lot of accelerating. You know, I'm, I'm, I, I'll just talk about what I'm doing. because I don't really need anything right now. But if anybody wanted to donate to artistuniversity.org, you can. But I'm, I'm managing three CTOs. My son is also a CTO. You know, I got about six data scientists on the team. I got three dev shops that I'm working with. So I Hold can, on, data. I'm sorry, Ron. I'm, I, I know we don't normally. What is a data scientist, man? Give me that in layman's, man. A data scientist is, uh, is so you can make decisions based off data. A lot of us athletes, we don't make decisions based off data sometimes, and we mm-hmm. always use other people's platforms. The problem with that is the data is the key. So if you can um, if you can organize your data in a way where it can then become IP, intellectual property for you, right? But some people don't understand what that means. So, you know, I want to just kind of take it from a different perspective. Uh, I, I started this seven years ago. I was a math major, so it was, I knew it wasn't going to be hard for me to tackle this, but I went in the same way I played defense, you know, and, and now I'm doing this type of work, you know, creating partnerships. Um, I, I can manage tech. I know I understand how to, you know, build architectures now and, and work with different devs and back-end developers now. And, you know, it's, it's about time. I, wanna, I wanted to always be able to get, you know, work with athletes and not always need because it costs a lot. Everybody's always asking athletes for money. Yeah, for Everybody's sure. always asking athletes for money. Well, you know what? Now you got somebody who ain't going to charge you, you know, because athletes are creative. And, and, and we can, you know, from a business plan to financial modeling, to, to a data implementation strategy and just different things like that. And you want to know something. I'm still from 12th Street from the hood. <laughs> I got this golf hat on. But honestly, I like from this perspective because, you know, I'm able to, you know, help athletes in a way where I want things I wanted to do in my career when I was 19. I wanted to do my own shoe. And nobody, I remember nobody was able to help me. Nobody was able to help me to give me the steps, you know, um, and so many athletes are so creative because all we're doing is playing basketball. And when we finish playing basketball, we want to do other things. Well, if we don't have the experience, we didn't do internships. You know, we don't have that experience. Right? Inflation is coming. Right? When infl- and you're still giving your family members money, inflation is happening. Well, your money is working against you and different things like yep. that. So from that perspective, I got, I got CPAs. I got in-house CPAs. Um, we do have a business management. We do tax accounting, all that stuff in- in-house that I have now. But um, so just like, you know, I'm just doing stuff like that now, keeping my head down, you know, and, and I really love what I do. Sports, math, all right, digital analytics, try to, you know, figure out how to market products, scale products, and then figure out how to sell the product, how to sell a company. You know, so I got two companies that's public right now. One is um, PBFFF on the stock market. Another one is CRGE on the stock market, got in pre-IPO, and now we're prepping a couple more. So this... You know, I'm, I'm hoping that everything keep going how it's going. You know, um, this year and next year is a year where things, the work that I've been doing for seven years behind the scenes is starting to surface. It's great when I'm able to talk about it because I'm, I'm stuck in the computer all day. <laughs> no, Ron, we, we, we love you, man. Thank you for coming out, man. Um, I like when you get to share your story. And I think so many more people need to know how dope you are behind the scenes. You know, like you said, people like to just vision you in one moment of what you are. And you've been so much more to that, man. And you, you're still giving back and blessing and helping people. So, my brother, anything I can ever do for you, you know it. And thank you again for jumping right on, man. For those who don't know, Ron was like, hey, Ron, I need you. Ron was like, when? <laughs> hey, you, know, you know what I told you, though? I said years ago, I said, you got a future in media. I told you that years ago. You know, so I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm happy you're doing it. And I, I think, like, you could be doing other things. 
but it seems like you're happy, and I and I believe that this is right in your lane. So for, for those who don't know, man, when I first started, I got I gotta say this before we get out of here. <laughs> I was scared doing media. I was still in player mode. Player mode is everybody played well, everybody did great, you know, and I was nervous. And I remember I was doing a radio show and I wasn't being myself. And one time me and Ron did a show together and it was like, you know, we would do like an afternoon show and everybody would be oh, nervous because yeah. you felt like everybody was listening. And we did like an eight o'clock show where like, it felt like nobody was listening, at least. And Ron was just being Ron, like, yo, this is this happening and that. And like, we just started having fun. And I promise you from that day forward, Ron, you, you changed my career, brother. A lot, of, I, a lot of people don't know that. I started to be myself and just have fun and enjoy because I was, you remember I was nervous and everything and you were just you. And I was like, Ron is being Ron. Like, so I thank you so much for that, brother. And a lot of people don't know that, but if you, you showed me the way, man, in, in media and not that like, but you should just how to be myself. And I, I man, yeah, I can't yeah. think, people don't even know that you were doing radio also and TV yeah, and all yeah, those yeah. things. Yeah, man. Thanks a lot, man. I'm, I salute you, man. I, I can't wait to see what's next for you. Hey, blessing to you, brother. Thank you again. We'll talk soon. Anything you need, and let's get up soon, my brother. Absolutely. Wow, we appreciate you guys for hanging around, and even more so, man. Big ups on NBA Rookie Life. Big round of applause for Ron Artest. My brother, thank you again, Ron, for coming out. But more importantly, man, we can't do this without you guys. Make sure you like, follow, subscribe, rep with us, man. Tweet at us, man. Let us know you're listening. Let us know your favorite part of the episode. If you are listening, this is a test, man. We'll have a test. If you're listening, you heard this episode, let us know about it, man. And shout out to Ron Artest. Let him know how much you appreciate it, man. We need you guys to make this keep going. Love you guys. I appreciate it. Again, like, follow, subscribe, spread the word, spread some love, tweet about us, whatever it may be. We will talk soon. I'll see you next week on NBA Rookie Life with Ryan Hollins. Peace. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.